0: The Yes Men is a group of activist tricksters. It's mostly two white middle-class looking dudes, Andy and Mike, and hundreds of behind-the-scenes helpers, who pretend to be spokespeople for major companies and then do things that the companies should do but never would. Like, for example, pretending to be representing Dow Chemical and get on the BBC claiming responsibility for the world's worst industrial disaster, a gas explosion that killed thousands of people in Bhopal, India, in 1984. Here's a clip from the BBC. Um, a day of commemoration in Bhopal. Do you now accept responsibility for what happened? Steve, yes. T- today is a great day for all of us at Dow, and I think for... Millions of people around the world as well. It's 20 years since the disaster. And today, I'm very, very happy to announce that for the first time, Dow is accepting full responsibility for the Bhopal catastrophe. And sometimes in these pranks from the Yes Men, they impersonate companies to do actions that shame them. Like this June, the Yes Men set up a snow cone stand in New York City with an accompanying fake website that targeted Shell's plans to drill oil in the Arctic people wearing bright red shell uniforms offered passerby a taste of snow cone made from what they said was the last iceberg on Earth. How can we eat the last piece of the North Pole? Well, otherwise it's just going to melt away. Are you into it? Not at all. You want to eat some iceberg? One of those people behind the scenes of these stunts is Laura Nix, an artist and filmmaker who has helped document many of the Yes Men's pranks. She is the co-director of the new documentary, The Yes Men Are Revolting. Here's a clip from the trailer. So what's your answering? My name is Dick Impala. I'm with Environment Canada. You don't really work for Environment Canada, do you? War in Uganda. Here, a fluttered route means people die. Young people are aiming to overthrow the US financial system. To record the stunts, Laura Nix often winds up having to impersonate someone herself, typically a conservative corporate news person. I talked with Laura Nix about what it's like to pretend to be a filmmaker so that she can be an
1: actual documentarian. Some of the actions are really elaborate, and it's basically like staging a small play, like a small guerrilla theater, like a small piece of guerrilla theater. And... Uh, There's casting that's involved, there's costuming, there's hair and makeup, there's some technical requirements occasionally, there's issues about how do you get access to a location, and then there's this very um, difficult, um, at times, and very complicated scenario that involves the, the impersonation, because you know, what the yes men do is impersonate voices of authority in order to comment on voices of authority, so there's, you know, sometimes that process can go on for months when they approach people uh, under pseudonyms and carry on communication for a really long time, and then all of us who are involved in that also have to be uh, impersonating other people, so we have fake names, fake email addresses, fake cell phone numbers, et etc., So it can get pretty crazy because you're trying to check and stay on top of your email while you're also trying to stay on top of your fake pseudonym email.
0: (laughs) So one of the reasons why the yes men can pull off impersonating corporate figureheads as often as they can is so much about the way that they look. Like they look like white, middle class corporate dudes, especially when they put on a suit and like refuse to crack a smile. So how does that impersonation play into your role as director? when you're out shooting them, do you try and look like a TV news person or something?
1: I often get cast as the role, in the role of a corporate TV producer or like some kind of corporate spokesperson. So we all end up dressing more conservatively than we normally do. And we wear our hair differently. We, you know, wear different shoes. I wear, I sometimes have to buy like an outfit that looks more conservative than what I might normally wear. Because when we walk into a scenario where we're not you know we're saying who we are that it's not who we really are, it necessitates you know like really looking like a different person. I mean I do not look in my real life, I don't look like a corporate producer for Halliburton or I don't look like a spokesperson for you know some kind of defense contractor um so I have to kind of tweak my appearance and my presentation, and we all have to do that when we walk in. I'm always amazed by how crazy it is that the yes men are able to get away with what they're able to do and so much of it has to do with the fact that they're white guys in suits. And it it really does make you aware of how many white guys in suits are saying completely insane things. And we just kind of take that as a matter of course on any given day. If you turn on the news, there's just you know hundreds of white guys in suits <laughs> saying crazy <laughs> stuff, and they're able to get away with it because they're white guys in suits. So the Yes Men are playing off of that, and um, and and they're they're using their identity for another purpose. But I think it's. Um, it's definitely the case that if they were women or people of color, they would not be able to get access to the places that they get access to as easily, um, nor would they be able to say, I think some of the extreme statements that they make in public uh, without being questioned much more quickly. When you were working on this movie,
0: were you worried about government or corporate surveillance? I would think you'd be worried about the companies who you were going after Keeping tabs on you. I
1: I think if they are watching us or... Um, if they are watching us or surveilling us, they'd also pretty quickly figure out that I'm not the one they need to be worried about. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I don't really worry about that for me. There was a moment in making this film that was kind of an interesting time. We rented the office from... Praxis Films. Uh, Praxis Films is the company that Laura Poitras started, and um, she's, of course, the director of the movie Citizen Four, the Edward Snowden documentary. And because she had moved to Berlin, because she could not continue to make her work in the United States, her office in New York City was open, and she needed some people to rent it from her. And so we sublet her office from her. And her assistant told us, you know you guys need to be just aware of the fact that the the office you know might have some surveillance, and you should be careful about using cell phones near windows. you should just be you know aware of kind of what you say in and around the space and so we liked to make a lot of jokes about that while we were working in that office and um, we just kind of assumed that maybe we were being watched and you know, I don't really know that if if we were being watched by the NSA, they might be kind of looking at us and with amusement and like, what do these guys think we're doing? Or you know, like we might be considered kind of clowns in a way. Um, but the Yes Men do have experiences of being surveilled of a more serious nature. There was a spy company called Stratfor that's basically kind of like the Halliburton of the intelligence community, and They, after the Yes Men did um, an action against Dow Chemical in the second film, which caused $2 billion of Dow's stock price to be wiped out in a day, Dow um, hired Stratford to kind of monitor the Yes Men's activities because they wanted to know what they were going to be up to. And they monitored the Yes Men and they monitored a bunch of other um, activist organizations and the people who found out about were actually um, WikiLeaks because they, WikiLeaks was doing um, a kind of a... Let's they, 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 they say the WikiLeaks basically came, it came into their knowledge, it came into their possession, a lot of emails um, about Stratford's activities, and they were the ones that informed the Yes Men, you guys are being spied on by this crazy spy company.
0: Do you see your voice come through in these films at all
1: i came on as a director because we wanted to tell a personal story this time around and not just focus on them as these you know kind of cartoon-like superhero activist guys running around the globe fighting corporate greed but tell a deeper story about what it's like to sustain a like a life of activism over a longer time And I also wanted to tell the story of their friendship, which is very inspiring to me and moving to me. And I think frustrating to them, but I think quite illuminating to many of us who've had friendships that last for a really long time and eventually change as you get older. And I wanted to make sure that this third film also had emotional content and wasn't just funny all the time, but had spaces where it could be sad or it could be wistful or it could be melancholic. And I think that, you know, at times it was hard for the yes men because they're more used to making a film that's just funny, funny all the time. And they would get really worried that the film wasn't funny enough, wasn't fast enough. And I think that's where you feel my voice the most is that the film, I think, has more emotional content this time around. And, and hopefully, they come across as being more vulnerable human beings than they did before. And I think that's a more rewarding film experience. But I also think that there's a political message to that, which is that, as activists, we feel like we're failing a lot. And on any given day, when you're doing activism, you don't get the satisfaction of thinking, oh, I've figured out women's rights or I ended racism or we figured out climate change today, you mostly feel like you're just stuck or that you haven't made any progress or impact at all. And that's very normal and common for anybody who's doing any kind of activist political work. And rather than portray the yes men as being immune to those feelings, I wanted to have audiences see that they have those too. And um, watch the yes men decide to keep going as a way to remind us that we all can keep going. And we should keep going because being a part of these social movements is actually really energizing. And, and by the way, the way that we're going to probably be able to, you know, actually have impact and change this world.
0: I, I really appreciate that message. Um, and I do think that working on these kinds of issues can make you feel like you're banging your head against a wall seven days a week, right? (laughs) Um, So, and I mean, the focus here is so much on the yes men having done this for 20 years, but you've also been doing this for 20 years. So how do you deal with feeling like you wish more had been done? Or how do you deal with like um, how shitty the world is despite your your decades of work to try and, and make it better? Is that something that you like, how do you grapple with that on a, on a, on a daily basis as a filmmaker?
1: There's as a documentary filmmaker, it's, it's, it's kind of a ridiculous profession in a way. It's, it's very hard to sustain this over a long period of time. And the older you get, um, the more aware you are of what that means that you made this decision to do this for your life. And, that you you know you start to look back at that moment when you wonder maybe I should have gone to law school or got a degree in education or something, and you think wow that maybe that wasn't a bad idea. So I love what I do, but it is really challenging to to keep going, and and it can be very difficult to also look at the world that we live in and and look at these like huge enormous problems and feel like you can make a change or that your documentary film can make a dent. And I don't think that documentary films change the world, but I do think that we're a small part of changing people's awareness. And I think that we're a small part of shifting people's perception and opinions. And that's huge. And that's really all we can ask for is to be um, a part of that dialogue that, that helps people move forward on any given issue. Um, I there's days when I feel incredibly hopeless and, you know, this week was a really tough one. Um, you know, looking at what happened in um, Charleston and Mm -hmm. looking at the kind of violence that's happening all over the country and all over the world. Um, the news about climate change is never good, but then I have to also be encouraged by what the Pope said this week. And I'm reading this newspaper thinking, did I just hear the Pope, like basically say that capitalism is ruining the planet. I think I just heard the Pope say that, and, and then I get hope again. So I think um, that's kind of what any day is like, is that you, it, it's very hard to like, look at what the bad thing was that happened and find the hope again, but then we also have to look for the news that is really showing progress in any given area and, and believe in that too.
0: That was Laura Nix, director of the new documentary The Yes Men Are Revolting. The film is out right now. You can watch it on Vimeo or iTunes or in select theaters around the country.